Hi there and welcome back to Amplify, a digital marketing entrepreneur podcast. I'm Bob Gentle and every week I'm joined by creators, consultants and practitioners who share what makes their business work. Whether you run your own business or you're just thinking of stepping out on your own for the first time, you're in the right place. If you're new to the podcast, then welcome along. Just take a second right now to subscribe in your podcast player. That way you don't miss new weekly episodes and you can dig into some older ones when you finish this one. Again, if you're new to the show, then you'll want to join our Facebook group. Just hit amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders and you'll be taken right there. This week, my guest is Sagi Schreiber. Sagi is a designer and entrepreneur based in Israel who has embraced the concept of multiple streams of revenue. Where most designers are satisfied just trading time for money, Sagi runs events, an online community, online courses and in-person consulting and workshops alongside his own high-end design service. Sagi is an impressive guy who I loved meeting and hope you'll love him too. Sagi Schreiber, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? Thank you. Um, definitely great. Awesome. Yeah, it's a bit earlier for me than it is for you. Um, <laughs> you're in Israel, right? Right, right. I'm in Israel and you're in Scotland, so it's yeah. like a two-hour difference. Yeah, it's not too bad, but it's earlier for me than you. Yeah. Um, do you want to maybe start just by telling the listener who you are? Obviously, you're in Israel, but the kind of work that you do as well. Sure. So, um, first of all, Bob, thank you for having me on the show. And um, so, for anybody who doesn't know me, I am a designer and entrepreneur. Um, and right now, I do a couple of things. I am an online um, educator, um, as some people call it. I have online courses. Um, I have Israel's largest design community. And over there, I have multiple online courses. I have a physical course, which I teach. And I run events. Um, and so that's the whole other thing. I have a YouTube channel, a podcast, a blog, and that's a community I launched in 2011. On the other side of things, in the international space, um, I used to have a big design blog. Right now, um, so my story coming up, the design blog made me leave my day job, and then it failed, <laughs> and my partner and I in the design blog, we split. So after that, I launched an international community for creative entrepreneurs, and in that community, I talk about design, but mostly I talk about creative entrepreneurship, um, the things that we need to have in order to build a bit, an online business and brand. And um, that's called Creativepreneur. And over there, I have also podcasts where I interview people like um, Pat Flynn, JLD, and um, amazing entrepreneurs that have done amazing, amazing things. And um, so that's my podcast in the international space. Um, and I have... Uh, you know, one online course in the international space. And besides all of that, I have a de uh, design agency operation in which I work with um, brands to create their websites if it's like entrepreneurs or if it's entrepreneurs that have um, some kind of digital product and then I do their UI and UX. So probably the listener like me is sitting there counting out their fingers trying to remember the number of things that you've got going on <laughs> yeah. and it's it was tough um i've made some notes so i have a fair idea of what what your world looks like so you work in english and in hebrew communities right. in both am i right yes and the events that you run are they typically in israel yeah exactly i um so 
They are. I usually also attend multiple conferences a year uh, in the US and over there I sometimes uh, run workshops. So I've run ro- workshops already in uh, San Francisco, New York and uh, San Diego, um, also in Kiev. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I do these things also sometimes um, with my international communities, but I mostly do most of my action is in Israel right now mm. because I'm here. And is that reflected in where your revenue is generated from? Or Definitely. Your, yeah. Yeah. The, the international space is um, the newer community because I launched that community in the beginning of 2018. Um, so it's fairly new. The Israel space is like I've been working on since 2011. Um, so my community right now is fairly new. And my, my past design blog I had it for a couple of years, uh, the international design blog, Um, and that's the side project that made me leave my day job back in the then it back in the days um, but that's no longer existent and back in the day when you left your day job because I think a lot of people for for them this is a pivotal moment when was that uh, that was 2016 yeah so it's still fairly fresh it's fairly fresh um, the period where I got into debt and couldn't make a dime for myself for six months is fairly fresh the time <laughs> where I um, flew over a coach from the US to help me rebuild my whole entire identity and business uh, is fairly fresh and me building a six-figure business since then is fairly fresh so um, I, I know like time flies you know like it flies so fast and it looks like just yesterday I um, I was working, you know, just like in design school or something like that, which is like 2010. <laughs> um, but yeah. I think one of the things, I mean, you, you talk about the creative preneur community. That's the English speaking one that you started at the beginning of 2018. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Yes. Now, I have the Facebook group for that in front of me and it has 2,000, nearly 2,800 members. Yeah. In one year, that's pretty good going. And I think that kind of sums up everything you're doing i mean when i look around your stuff online it's great i mean it's polished but i think the thing that i really like about it is the attitude you bring to it there was one of your videos where you went to grant cardone's event Mm -hmm. yeah 10x and now some people hate grant cardone some people love (laughs) him and some people yeah are are on one extreme end of a reaction to Grant Cardone. A <laughs> right. sensible place to be is in the middle. And I think that's where you, you are. You know there's stuff to learn there. Yeah. But it really comes through in everything you do. Before we started recording, we were talking about mindset. Mm-hmm. And I think you can't possibly achieve what you've achieved in two years without working as much on yourself as you do on whatever it is you're doing in business. Yeah. So... Tell me a little bit about the personal journey you've been on over the last few years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think you touched on a very um, important point. Everything I'm doing right now, and by the way, I didn't even mention I have a family, I have two kids, I have a dog. <laughs> uh, my wife is like, you know, a big part of my life, obviously. Um, and my family life is my number one priority, actually. So um, no matter the whole chaos of the business, um, I still put my family first all the time um that includes like sometimes delaying flights or um you know stopping work in the middle and um and all, all sorts of stuff like that I, for me like my family is my number one priority and um so going back to the mindset 
of how you run it all is like by having, by working on yourself, by developing. And I think that we all have a job of reprogramming our minds um, because society in a Western culture has like most of us pretty messed up. Um, <laughs> you know, like I mean the school systems that like the, the way I see it, um, so we can get into something I call the, the, the island theory. Do you want to, do you want to get oh, into absolutely. that for a second? If it matters to you, it matters <laughs> to me today. Yeah. It, I think it's one of the most important things that the way I see my life going and the way I see everybody else around me, um, it's this. So we're all in like born in the ocean and on an inflatable boat. And we're all in this like rubber inflatable boat since the day we are born. Um, humanity is in the middle of the ocean and we tend to be in flux or like in groups where, you know, groups of people on these inflatable boats that are just like letting themselves flow on some kind of um, stream in the sea. And our, when we were born, we were born into our parents' inflatable boat, but sometimes we get our own boat. And when we get our own, our, our own boat, usually the boat is like right next to our parents. Um, you know, worst case scenario, it's just like um, a bit farther from them, but definitely in the same stream. And that's because we are taught in life, both by our um, education system and our parents and our friends, to stay in the same proximity and to not get too far because getting too far might put us at risk. And the educational system is all meant for us to just like, hey, just stay in the stream, man. It's kind of like, you know, live life like everybody lives it. Look at this, like the stream will get you places. The thing is deep down inside, we are all conquerors. We all want to be productive as human beings. Like researchers have shown that we want to be productive as human beings. That's why we have children sometimes it's like to be productive it's not really to just like have that feeling of you know like we want to be productive in life and um, we're conquerors and we work towards fulfillment and anybody who's not fulfilled is not happy in life and we all know that right like oh yeah so when we are not fulfilled we're not happy therefore we all wish for fulfillment in life and um, in one way or another um we know deep down inside that like fulfillment in the islands in the in the sea is reaching islands right conquering islands just putting our flag on the top of an island and um the only thing is in the stream the islands on the side of the stream that we're usually at are we know that probably they're not the islands that we want to actually conquer the islands that we actually want to conquer if we we know the answer it's like it's far from the stream that we're in right now the ocean is huge and the islands that we want to conquer are far away from the stream with our parents and friends and everybody around us and we are never taught that we can actually um like that we can actually pick up pedals that we have in the inflatable boat and, and just row away we're never taught that we actually have pedals usually and the thing is it's you know, it's pretty, pretty sad, but most of the people in life never pick up the pedals. They never row away from, from their stream. They stay close to their proximity, to their parents, their close friends. Their parents never want them to row away from, from them because, you know, obviously there's risk. Um, and their friends never want them to go away because then they will be away from their friends. And they don't want that. Um, 
you know, nobody wants to lose a friend, right? To now a new venture. So we are, and our parents obviously don't want us to risk ourselves. So we're stuck in this loop and the educational system, they never, even like in higher education, they never teach us to actually go and achieve and fulfill ourselves. They teach us whatever we want to kind of like learn. Hey, do you want to learn psychology? Here's like a few years of your life and you know, we'll teach you psychology in the most basic and theoretic way and you'll never achieve anything out of that. You want to learn design? Great, here you go. A few theoretic like years after, you know, like you still can't work in a freaking industry. So nobody actually teaches you what you need to learn in life and therefore, most of us never row away, but those who do, those who do achieve way more than most of the population. I think like 90, 99% of the population in the world never rows. The ones that row are the entrepreneurs, are the people that want actually make a change, are the people that fulfill themselves and actually achieve whatever they want to achieve in life. And the thing is, it's very scary. There's like this point where we want to row away towards the islands, but we don't know exactly where the island is. We don't have a map, right? You know, like we want to do something. How do we freaking get there? We want to start a business. How do we start a business? And we want like, nobody really knows. The thing is, in our deep down in our conscience, like in our in our gut, we know exactly the, the basically the, um, the general direction. We can say, you know, southeast, and you know, we need to go that way. And we might get there, we might not but we have to make the commitment and just start, you know, rowing away. And the way we might find other people who are also trying to reach the same islands we want to reach. And we might, they might help us. And the way we might need mentors, we might, we might seek mentors, we need to seek mentors that can actually guide us because they already visited the island that we want to visit. And um, also, if you're married, then you have someone in the boat with you. You can't forget that they have a pedal and both of you are steering away, like they're rowing away. So if you row in opposite directions, what will happen to the boat? Yeah. Right. So it would either like, you know, you know, go around in circles or worst flip, right? Divorce. And therefore we need to make sure that we know to row while in sync all the time. And also when storms come, we need to put the pedals down and just sit tight in the boat and let the storm pass. And that is equivalent to if we're, if we get sick, right? Sometimes people just like work their ass off, they hustle and then so hard that when they even, when they're sick, they keep going, Hey, that's not good for your body, you know? So, um, and sometimes even bigger storms happen, like even, you know, someone in the family gets ill or, you know, you know, shit hits the fan, you know, and, and we need to know to stop at those moments and be with the people we need to be with and, let the storm pass and then continue rowing even if we got off track. So there's a whole, um, a whole way of like managing the open sea, but we need to just get out there and manage the open sea and uh, learn it. And that's the only way we can conquer islands. And that's the island theory. I really like that. And I think what you described there is a, is a really clear picture for anybody. But I think the reason I think things like this podcast, probably your podcast, the podcasts I listen to, is it allows you, as you kind of mentioned there, to learn to navigate from the people who've already been where you want to go. Um, that's so important that when you decide yeah. you're going to start rowing, in the beginning, you won't really know where you're going. 
Um, but over time, you meet people who are also rowing, as you described, and they're a little bit more experienced than you, and it's important to listen to them. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's really good. Another thing you mentioned is you, when you get to a certain time in life, as you are and I am, you're not rowing on your own anymore, but it's not just scary for you. It's also scary for the other people in the boat. Yeah. Um, and it's so easy to forget that. Yeah, it's easy. And a lot of people do forget that, you know, and I can say that I also forgot that for a while when I started my business and um, I needed I needed to um, get this wake up call, you know, to in order to uh, to remember that, to, you know, and, and, and that's important. I think like most people when they start a business or they're building their business are thinking so hard on the business goals, they don't think about life goals. And mm-hmm. what I do is in my in the way I work. I work in a way that is everything together. My life goals is my life goals. Business is part of it. The family's life is part of it. My hobbies are part of it. Um, my influence is a part of it. Like I look at my life goals. And then when I put my life goals down um, and I have a specific method of doing that, then it's just like a matter of prioritizing. Um, and then when you prioritize, that's when the magic happens. Because after that, you're going to have bumps along the road. You're going to have things that collide with one another, like family and business. Sometimes they collide, right? And you need to make decisions based on your prioritization, which you set at first. When people don't prioritize, when people don't make the full list and then don't prioritize, that's when um, things can go south. That That's when things can get really bad, um, especially in, in the families, you know? So how do you prioritize? And I think the reason I ask this question of you is, hey, you brought it up, but yeah. also... B, you've got so many things going on, you can't possibly achieve anything without setting priorities. So how does that look for you? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, so first of all, in my prioritization, my wife and then my kids are my top two priorities. The rest of the business goals are below that. Um, so the way I would do it, and I, I like, it's, it's very, um, it's very dry. So like, um, it's not something that I can just teach on a podcast, but in general, it's to think, okay, where do I want to be in 10 years? Then when, when do I, where do I want to be in two years? And then where do I need to be in six months in order to get to my two-year vision? And then when I do that, I think about, okay, so the things that I listed that I want to get done in two years, what can I actually get done in six months that I thought I can do in two years? So I'm like, oh, okay, wait. So in six months, I'm waking up it's a regular work day, but I'm freaking pumped to start the day. And if I'm freaking part to start the day, what do I have going on in my life, in every aspect of my life? Spiritual, uh, marriage, uh, you know, family life and um, business, uh, contribution to society, like every, all aspects of life. Hobbies, uh, health, diet, sports, like everything. I just list it out six month goals and I write it as present tense as if I already have it or have achieved it and then I also add feelings to it so and then after that I have that list of everything in my life that I have going on in six months that will really I know will take me forward then the prioritization part is thinking okay which of the items can I move up to the top of the um, to the top of this list that if they happen and all below fail, then I'm still good. Meaning, 
if my family life would be good and my business will fail, I will be okay, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. But if my, if my business succeeds and that crashes my family life, then I know I will not be okay. Like, that's not me. Maybe there's some other people, uh, but it's definitely not me. So, um, and then also in business, I have some things which if they happen and the rest don't, then I'm okay with. But, um, so that's the prioritization. That's like on one hand is what will you be okay with if the top happens and all below it fails. So that's one way of prioritizing. And the second, um, the second thing I prioritize by is what's called the domino effect. Meaning, if something up top happens, how can I make sure like that it ticks off other things on the list, right? So sometimes we have like, um, we have financial goals to hit, and then we have the things that we need to actually get done that will, if we will get those done, probably the financial goals will be in place. So those items can be on top of the list and the financial yeah. goal itself can be on the bottom. Um, and therefore that's kind of like the, that's how I prioritize. So one is like important things on top that if they happen and all fail, then I'm good. And second thing is a domino effect. It really is universal principles. It's, it's not what I like about your process there is it's not hip and trendy or groovy it's not the new best thing but it's really solid yeah um and really well thought through and you clearly live it um and it shows in what you're achieving thank you when i went to your website the um sagishreiber.com as there's the first thing you see is obviously there's a great headshot of you with some nice parallax effect going on <laughs> the next step down there's Pat Flynn saying, Saggy Schreiber's awesome. <laughs> and then a little bit further on, there's John Lee Dumas saying, Saggy Schreiber's awesome. <laughs> what happened? How did that happen? <laughs> Tell me what's going on there. <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a good story. Um, so because specifically those two people, like, um, so I've been following Pat Flynn Jelly for a long time, even before I listened to Grant Cardone or Russell Brinson or those kind of people. Um, I hang out with a lot of entrepreneurs nowadays, a lot of great entrepreneurs. And, um, but back then I didn't know anyone. And I was like this anonymous entrepreneur from Israel, um, with a failing <laughs> business. And, <laughs> and back, back then when I, um, so one of the, one of the first things that I've done, like to, to get out of my situation back then I had a, I couldn't monetize my blog back then and my partner and I were like keeping on fighting because we each took the business in different directions. We kind of like pulled in different directions and there we just like, um, after a six month of not even being able to pull a dime out of our, um, out of our business, I was at a very bad spot. I had no savings. Um, I took a loan. I wasted that loan. I was the only provider in my household. My wife was actually studying back then. Um, and it was, you know, already two kids and a mortgage and everything. That was bad. That was like, I, in two weeks, I know bills are coming up and I have no idea how I'm going to pay them. That was the kind of like the, the stress I was in. Um, but I knew by keeping and doing what I've done with my business, I just can't make a dime. So the business cannot go. What do I need to do in order to now make, you know, make money? Um, I'm, I, I knew I was like a very good designer and that's what I've, that was my whole career. Um, I've worked at uh, Fiverr, I was first, the first designer hire at 
design hire at fiverr.com the, the website itself not the wow. not as a seller in the marketplace but actually on in the company um, and then after that I had my own startups and one got acquired by similar web which is another um, marketing based uh, startup and I was design director there for two and a half years so like I know that if I want to get clients I can get clients for design no problem but again that's not what I actually was doing out to do work with more tech startups that does not my thing yeah i think you're really just trading time for money and i think the feeling is that you wanted to move out of that right and i want to move out of that and i i mean back then i had my community but i didn't monetize my israeli community and um and you know i had i had a bad experience trying to monetize my international community um because you know i was just getting started and things don't happen so so easily when you start and we managed to monetize we had like two 10k launches we can say it's a five-figure launch but um it's still like 10k divided by two it doesn't leave you with much right it's not yeah. even a it's not even a monthly rate that i can handle um and we're talking about launches that were like both of them took us like four months to create like in, like in four months you make it only 20k and divide by two people it just doesn't make sense especially when you had the tax man Yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, with all expenses as well. Um, and, um, and so what I've done is I flew in, like I met this coach. His name is Calvin Wayman. And um, like I read his book called Fish Out of Water, which is an amazing book. I recommend it to anyone. Uh, Fish Out of Water is a great book. And I, I read it. And after I read it, I'm like hearing the story about this guy is like an entrepreneur. And, um, and he's like, He hired a coach like join a mastermind with his coach and that helped him get out of debt and uh, crush it and build a six-figure business so I'm like I want that so I reached out to Calvin actually hired him as, as a coach um, that's a whole story on its own but um, he mm. I flew him out to Israel with money I didn't have when I was already in debt and in those like and we started working the first thing he did is built the vision with me um, he taught me how to build my vision and In the vision, he told me, like, write the things down that you want to achieve in six months that are not realistic to you, but they are achievable by mankind. Um, so I'm like, okay, so thinking about what's achievable and not what's realistic is what will actually get to achieve your dreams. That's what I believe in. So I wrote down that, you know, my whole financial goals and I'm getting out of this shitty situation and crushing it in business. And in six months from now, I want to be booked on a, a popular podcast, international podcast, to tell my story of how I came out of debt and crushed it in business. And I listed out only two names. I wrote Pat Flynn and JLD. <laughs> um, and, uh, and then I was like, If you can think about like me like totally broke anonymous entrepreneur from Israel sitting down in this like lousy office back then with Kelvin like that didn't know where he landed like um, like sitting in the VIP day and like writing on a piece of paper like being booked to tell my story on a podcast with Pat Flynn and GLD so it's amazing how um, you can plan out your life in no matter what situation shitty situation you are. I was just going to say that again, that's, it's goal setting again. Yeah. Um, obviously, I think when you are in a shitty situation, as you described, it's really hard to set that vision because your short term is so much more important to you than the long term. Yeah. But I, if you don't set that sort of medium to long term vision, 
it's not going to be compelling enough to get you out of that hole. Right. And also like, you, you just like, you lack clarity, you lack focus, you are, your self-esteem is so low. You're like me achieving anything now, you know, kind of like I meet so many people that I help them today. Like, um, some of my coaching clients, it was so hard for them to, to just, you know, create their vision. And I remember myself, like also at that point, like it was very hard to write those things down, but you know, if you dream, then, you know, it's your, um, right in this world to dream and to, to write it down, even as goals, to write down, list down your dreams as goals. And I think if it's not something that's not achievable, you're good as long as it's achievable by mankind. Right. Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, so I would like to talk about design. Uh, because that's your thing. And really, we, if we can't possibly have you on the show and not talk about your thing. <laughs> yeah, sure. But before so, that, just I didn't like, if you want, I can get back to the story of how I met Pat and GLD. Go um, on. Then. Just for people to kind of like get the, the, like the question was like how I met them. So I started talking about the vision and things, but it's the thing <laughs> that leads up to me meeting them. So I wrote this down on a piece of paper, um, worked hard, hustled my ass off build the business and everything like by monetizing pixel perfect and creating online courses and an offline course. And then after that, I launched my international community and then I flew out to a conference in San Diego where I actually met JLD and Pat and connected with them. And that's a whole story with someone, but connected with both of them. Um, and then I was actually booked to be interviewed with Pat Flynn. So that happened in seven month period and started working with JLD on his homepage um designing his own page and that happened like also like at the same time and then i joined pat flynn's mastermind and like my whole business has shifted since I, you know right that was the beginning 2018 and was that social media marketing world yes yeah i thought so uh, it's often i hear social media marketing world is where there was like a tectonic change in people's mindset and business nice so I'd like to talk about design because design is your thing and in particular conversion focused design. Mm -hmm. Now I hear a lot of people saying I'm a conversion focused designer, but I've been through your website and I can guarantee the listener you are a conversion focused designer. <laughs> I'm going to sort of unpick a few of the things that really surprised me on your website. Uh -huh. um, but tell us a little bit about conversion focused design from your perspective. Sure. Uh, first of all, thank you. And I actually think my website is like, <laughs> um, you know how it is. You don't invest so much in your own way, uh, work as much as you invest in your client's work. But um, my my thing is this, like I come from a UI UX background, but I also come from a web design background. So um, I worked on startups with a million users like Fiverr and SimilarWeb, but I also worked on startups which are very, very small. Um, and some indie projects. Like I worked on some uh, innovation products at eBay and like those, like so many different scales and different companies. Some are big, some are small. Like I built a startup from zero. Like we had zero users, right? And we had to make users and uh, build traction. And you learn along the way the things that actually make people take action. Um, you just learn and you find out that they're all the same in all the startups and all the companies and everything that you do and what I call them today and I put a framework around it is I call I call them design triggers because what triggers the brain to take action 
can be the things that are visual. Not can be, they are the things that are visual. And um, I think the best way to describe it is by, by the analogy of like buying anything at the Apple store. Um, we're geeks, right? We go to the Apple store and then we see something like, oh my God, I gotta have it. Or we, we can't even see a commercial or their fancy landing pages. Right? And they're like, oh my God, we got to have it. Apple, in everything they do, invest in design triggers. Um, in the way they lay out their object, their products on a screen, right? With the perfect combination of typography and colors and photography. And they do it so perfectly that we're intrigued at the same moment. We say to ourselves, we got to have it. Something just sparks inside of us. And, um, and so when we're at the Apple store or, you know, you can, if, if you're, if you're not an Apple fan, you can think of yourself like as going shopping for clothes, right? And then you see a t-shirt you love, um, then you can just like see a product and you're like, oh my God, I got to have this. There's something that was sparked and it was sparked because of the, what your eyes saw, nothing more. Your eyes saw an object, you say, got to have it. And then you can, for instance, if it's a t-shirt, you can try it on if you want, but sometimes, you know, when you try on t-shirts, then you saw, you find something loose about them or something that's not too, like, you know, but you're so, you, you so want to have it still that you're saying to yourself, oh, maybe, you know, after one laundry, it will pass or, um, you know, uh, maybe nobody would notice and then you still might buy it and then you can look at the price and the price is double what you thought, but you still would be like, no, you got to have it. It's like, you know, this t-shirt will, it's, it's freaking amazing. And, um, and so the logic doesn't make sense, but the emotions do. And our job in design is to trigger emotions. And there are specific ways to do so. Um, and the most important thing is to understand that emotions create sales and drive action. And also create what we all love to create, which is called perceived value. Um, for instance, we can take a startup, right? A tech startup. Um, Airbnb, when they were small, like they were really, really small, but they were already valued at much more, like millions more than they should have had, you know, because of their design. And other companies as well. Like you can take a company that's built in someone's basement uh, in some, you know, whatever country, you know, third world country. And, but you like the skills of a great designer can make it look like it's a silicon based 500 fortune company. Like you can make anything look freaking amazing and have perceived value of something luxurious only if you know how. And, yeah. and knowing how, the secrets to that is in a series, of, um, a series of principles that I call design triggers. And, um, and that's like how you lay out your composition on a web page. And there's like a whole set of rules behind it. But I think that once you get to know it, it's so easy to, so easy to now design anything or work with designers to design anything and guide them along the process. And, um, and that's what I, that's what I teach. First of all, like, so the, the actual like design layout, um, design layout, um, decisions that you make while you design anything and all of us deal with design even if it's just like a picture for instagram um we deal with those kind of things on a daily basis all of us and that, that's what will create your brand to be perceived 
as you know as bigger and better that's why Lewis Howes and other entrepreneurs spend like a um, couple dozen thousands of dollars on websites um, and that's what works right mm. so if you're um, so that's like on one hand it's the actual decisions that you make while you're designing on the other hand it's also the planning so I also I also have like um, the design trigger framework of research and the design trigger framework of research is how I research any uh, mostly mostly it's for like either um, bigger UI UX projects which is stuff that I've already done with those bigger companies and startups and um, and then you can also go for a landing page but what you have to do is research who your target audience is and then how you can trigger the emotions in the target audience so that is involved with doing such things as the story brand framework and uh, jobs to be done and all these kind of like methods that come from the marketing slash user experience research um, field and when you put them together so I have, I have also a framework for, framework for that where I put them together so I fly out to clients and we do this like couple day workshop with just like a couple intensive days of us like breaking the business apart like through that framework and then after that getting into the design phase. I, uh, I really like that. I think um, there's clearly a lot of almost science goes into the, the bigger projects. It's actually when you get to the smaller projects, for me anyway, that it becomes much harder because you're, you're having to shorthand and shortcut everything. We can't fly Asagi Schreiber out to my house to build my website for my little online course. <laughs> um, but I think your own website was a great case study in how this can work in a small way, just with a lot of the time it's what you don't say. For example, on the services page, a lot of people are trying to sell or go into the, the sort of meta detail of exactly what it is they're delivering. Your services page is a, yeah, I do this. Here's a form. Um, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's actually, <laughs> like, it's, it's so like not, um, yeah, it's counterintuitive, but I definitely don't plan on people actually getting to that page and, reaching out through the page so that's like yeah. it's like i haven't that's maybe a bad example but um yeah i i know f from your perspective it's a bad example because of what you do in the world you're in but i think even the youtube link at the bottom of the page i clicked on that youtube link because i wanted to just quickly see what your youtube world looked like yeah. and it doesn't just take me to the youtube page it invites me to subscribe at the same time yeah now that detail i i it surprised me and I thought, hey, hang on a minute, what happened? So I went around lots of other online people's websites, clicked on their YouTube links, and they don't do that. So it's just these details. There's yeah. a lot to learn just from unpicking what you've got. Um, yeah, thank you. But definitely, if you look at websites like Fiverr.com, eBay, Apple, as you described, people buy on emotion, but people often design on intellect and that's clearly not going to work very well. So, as you said, I'm, I, I'm not even going to try and rephrase what you said because I'm not going to do it justice. But people listening who are in that space, they'll no doubt connect with that and it will hopefully resonate. Yeah, and um, <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I just want to give something, maybe um, one design trigger away for you guys because I think like 
to give something to people that will actually get with something out of this um, and be able to transform their designs right away. Yeah. Um, so here we go. So it's something called um, the boulder and the rock. So in any design, whatever it is, and think about like the top part of your homepage right now, okay? Anybody listening right now, think about the top part of your homepage or any recent design that you've created and think about the bigger item, right? For instance, if it's a homepage of someone, you probably have your picture and then you have some text and a button, right? And um, you also have the top menu, the header itself, and you have uh, maybe social media icons or whatever. Think about the bigger item, which is probably your picture or whatever picture you got there. Now enlarge that picture, enlarge it. If it's an orange, for instance, enlarge it to the point where the orange takes half of the screen and it's cropped out and all you see is the fine details of the orange. If it's a picture of you, think about enlarging it so you take up almost all the screen. Um, think about, and not too vulgarly, vulgarly, obviously, but like not to make it all bulky, but just like think about like enlarging anything. If it's a screenshot of a system that you're, uh, of your services or whatever, just enlarge the screenshot like crazy and put a little drop shadow on and make it pump, bumped out. And now that's the that's the boulder. Now the rocks in every any in any good composition are the small details. So any good composition is made out of one huge element, a few middle-sized elements, and just a few tiny tiny small elements. So one huge element, middle-sized elements, and then a few very tiny, small elements. The middle-sized elements, they set the ground for the perspective. The huge element is kind of like, whoa, okay, it gives contrast to the middle-sized elements, but then again, if you have this tiny, tiny elements somewhere in the layout, that is the beautiful contrast between the huge item and those small elements. So therefore, think about, for instance, anything Apple does, right? You see a huge picture of their service, whether it's even the AirPods. The AirPods are huge on the screen, right? And then you have typography and then the call to action. And usually something you don't notice, but most people don't notice the tiny items. The tiny items can be the social media icons. The social media icons at the side of the screen or at the corner or the menu items. In Apple, for instance, their, uh, their actual menu bar is very small text. So it's very small text that, is, that comes to contrast with, um, with the huge images of their products. And always you'll see this kind, of like, um, this kind of contrast between those two, right? So when you think of any design that you've created recently, enlarge the bigger item and add a few small items to it. Because most people don't add the small items and all you got is a large item and the middle-sized elements, right? Whether it's the text, the headline, right? The headline is, is like, I'm thinking about the headline and the subline as one object because it's uh, what's called a typographical block. It's a block of yeah. text, right? It doesn't matter that it's divided with one big heading and like if another subtitle or whatever, and, and then a button. It doesn't matter. It's like, if you kind of like, um, almost shut your eyes, you kind of see everything blurry. If you have glasses, you take your glasses off and you see bulks. And then you see the big bulk is the main image and then like the, the, the middle side bulk is usually the text. And, um, and then you, you need to also see a few small items. So if you don't have small items, add them. Check out my website, yansagishrabber.com where I have my picture as the big image, but you also see a few very small, um, 
social media icons on, on the side. Those are the small elements. I don't really need them and I don't care if anybody clicks on them. They're only there for the sake of creating that effect of the boulder on the rock. And, um, and then you have the middle-sized elements, which is the text and everything and the menu. And, but eventually when you create that contrast, everything changes. And that goes for your Facebook ads, that goes for your Instagram photos, uh, or, or whatever you want to create in Instagram that goes for everything that you do have one huge sized element whether it's a picture of a typographical or a typographical block and and middle sized elements to set the ground for the you know for the actual size and then the very very few very tiny elements whether it's like social media icons or I don't know even just icons something in the background that I don't know stars if you have a sky and you know like if you start I don't know like but think about that and in everything you do and that's like one uh, major design trigger that is a game changer yeah I'm just looking at your homepage as you say that and yeah I can see all these elements it really makes sense yeah. and certainly I can reflect back on some iconic design that I can bring to mind and those things all ring true and certainly I think I hope I mean I'm going to have to go back and listen I'm sure anybody from a design environment was probably sitting there nodding their head saying <laughs> well that makes sense yeah. <laughs> so yeah that was really good yeah so Sagi what are you what's your ma main focus right now my main focus right now is um, I think well you know it's it's Every time someone asks me, what's your main focus? I'm like, I don't care about having a main focus because I'm building multiple revenue streams. Um, I'm kind of like, I'm going against that main focus kind of thing, the one thing and all that, and all, all those books. Um, I'm like, I'm building multiple revenue streams. So I, I am focusing on all things that I care about at once. Um, but if you're thinking about like, what is my goal for the next like two months is to grow my agency model. Um, mm. I'm definitely getting more clients which are entrepreneurs. Um, I already have like a lot of clients which are like tech startups here in Israel and like, you know, e-commerce sites. But what I would like is to actually um, go for the people that I want to serve, which are entrepreneurs. And for that, I've built actually um, an offer um, that I've been working on, like also like technologically on my end and building the team around. And so therefore, uh, I want to serve more entrepreneurs, more people that have you know a brand and are content creators and that make an impact in the world um, and also want to serve more companies that are entrepreneurial meaning like cast like the thing that we're using right now to record this podcast right like um, email yeah. service providers like um, like ConvertKit and stuff like that or um, um, or like these kind of things like I have a client right now um, he's amazing um, he has a product for creating PD, like ebooks out of anything. Like you throw a podcast at it, a YouTube video, it transcribes and creates an ebook. You, all you have to do to the template, creates the ebook and um, in any format that you want the ebook to be. And those kind of things are the, the kind of like stuff for entrepreneurs that can help us create an impact in this world. So that's what, what I care about. It's the people I want to serve. Um, and that's my focus. And Sagi, I guess we've probably come to the end of what's a sensible time to be talking. So if people want to connect with you, how would you like them to do that? Um, so the best thing is to just find me on Instagram. It's uh, Sagi Schreiber. It's S-A-G-I-S-H-R-I-E-B-E-R. -E -E it's kind of complicated, but S-A-G-I and then S-H and you'll find me probably. <laughs> yeah. um, You're not a hard guy to find. 
yeah, I mean, it's hard to spell out, but it's not, it wouldn't be hard to find. Just like find me on Instagram, connect with me. Let me know that you came from this podcast and say like, yeah, I heard you on Bob's podcast. And, um, and I would love to connect. And I definitely, um, I, I love to connect with other entrepreneurs and other people that are building their businesses um, on a personal level. I just definitely, I'm always looking at building any communities or any of my audience based on personal connection and not like, um, so please send a DM if you follow me. Don't just follow me, send a DM. Hey, I heard you on the podcast and just say hi. You heard it. Sagi, thank you so much for your time. You've been a great guest. Bob, thank you so much for having me, man. It was a pleasure. Sagi proves that just because you've always done things one way doesn't mean you can't radically change things up. One decision leads to the next and before you know it, your life has changed. Before I go, just a quick reminder again to subscribe and if you haven't already, join our Facebook group. You'll find a link in the show notes or just go to amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders. Also, I would love for you to connect on social media. You can follow me on Instagram or Twitter where I'm at Bob Gentle. And if you do follow me, either DM or tweet me and let me know so I can follow you back. If you enjoyed the show, then I would love for you to review it on iTunes. It means so much to me and it's the very best way to help me reach more subscribers. My name's Bob Gentle. Thanks again to Saggy for giving us his time this week and to you for listening. And see you next time. <laughs>